Welcome to Meet the Filmmakers at the Apple Store, Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our guest moderator, Ali Plum. Hello everyone, thank you all for coming. Hello. Hi everyone. Uh, yes, I'm Ali Plum from Empire Magazine. You are here at Regent Street Apple Store in London Town to, well, meet the filmmakers basically and I'll introduce them all in just a couple of minutes. But in that couple of minutes, we are going to watch a trailer and the trailer is for Guardians of the Galaxy. a threat that could destroy us all. If we're gonna save the galaxy, we're gonna have to do it together. Partners. Why would you want to save the galaxy? Because I'm one of the idiots who lives in it! Oh, what the hell? I don't got that long a lifespan anyway. <laughs> your life for this because right now life's giving us a chance to do what something good something bad yeah. a bit of both we will fight beside you i will destroy you and your world first you gotta go through us we're the frickin' Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm with them. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. What percentage of a plan? I don't know, 12%. 12%? That's a fake laugh. <laughs> it's real. Totally fake. That is the most real, authentic, hysterical laugh of my entire life because that is not a plan. I am Groot. So what? It's better than 11%. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Thank you. Groot's the only one of you who has a clue. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Come to cinemas in 3D. Now, guys, you all need to do me a personal favor. I promised Chris Pratt earlier that you were going to go nuts when they came on stage. So I want whooping, I want hollering, I want you to just lose it. Please welcome the director and two stars of Guardians of the Galaxy. Kicking things off, we're going to have James Gunn enter the room. Then... We've got Chris Pratt as well. And finally, Dave Bautista, please enter. <laughs> guys. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, I, guys. I'm just going to say that was really, really great whooping. You nailed it. You really nailed it. We wanted bras on stage, though, so. Yeah. I'm not getting a tip now. My first question is, was that a talking raccoon? 
Uh, yes, although in sometimes in some of the test screenings, people said, I really like the fox. <laughs> but it's a raccoon, yeah. They're not referring to Chris here. I was just going to say they were talking about me. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'll steal jokes left, right, and center. I have, I have no shame. Yeah. yeah good. Anyway, so how does it feel to be the one and so far only director to bring a talking space raccoon to cinemas? You know, I think uh, since I was a small child, I knew that, you know, the basic meaning of my life was to have a talking tree and a talking raccoon who were best friends. And finally, I get the chance to fulfill my mission as dictated by God to the people of the world with Guardians of the Galaxy. Here, here. That's fantastic. The trailer we just saw has Cherry Bromit has Cherry Bomb in it, which is an incredibly catchy song. It's not the only incredibly catchy song in this movie. In another trailer, we have More Than a Feeling. And I just want to say... Hooked on a feeling. Hooked on a feeling. Blue Swede would be very angry He'd with you right He'd be very angry right now. That's how much it's in my head. It, it doesn't stay with the right words. That's stuck in my head, and I blame you. Yeah. Which of you three guys here, what song is in your head the most of the soundtrack so far? For me, it was uh, probably the song by Redbone called Come and Get Your Love. That song was uh, is featured uh, early on in the movie. You'll see it. And there was a sequence that took, uh, uh, basically it was a, a, a whole weekend to shoot. And it, that song was on a loop for the entire sequence. And just now getting it, it was, it was actually out of my head backstage. And now that I brought it up, it will be about another three weeks <laughs> before I stop hearing that song. Um, but luckily, it's a really great song, so I don't mind too bad. How about you, Dave? Uh, I the same. Hooked on hook, hooked on a feeling was just stuck in my head, man. Yeah, I was actually uh, and people. I was still wrestling at the time when the trailer came out, and people were uh, like singing the song to me. <laughs> the wrestling audience were singing the song to me. Yeah. Does is that distracting or really encouraging? I love it. Yeah, I love it. I mean, what would be better is obviously more than a feeling. I mean, that would have really made it, but, you know. That would have been just weird. It was on our list. It was on our list, but we cut it out, so we, we chose Hooked. Oh, no, well, next time. Uh, I think it's quite telling that the working title of this film was Full Tilt. Yes, yes. Well, how, how significant is that? The working title? Um, I just had, I had a, a, a list, uh, I had a list of, they said, you know, what do you want to call this movie as, a, you know, a working title? And I had a list of some really filthy things, and uh, I really wanted to call it Hot Christmas. I wanted that to be our, our name, uh, but I, hopefully we'll be able to make a sequel in which we can use Hot Christmas, except for now that I said it to everybody so people will know what we're doing, and yeah. so the whole idea is it, that it's a secret. Yeah. up. Guys, we can keep a secret, and this obviously isn't going anywhere. Right. I mean, this isn't on the internet, is it? Honestly, I, like, I, I know I just met you guys, but I trust you with my life. <laughs> Would you say, with the words full tilt, that is indicative of just how to the wall you were going with this? Because there's some... Yeah. And don't take this as an insult. This is a slightly strange film. Well, you know, I you know, I think it is just it is what it is, but we wanted to make a movie that was completely brazen. We wanted to make a movie that, you know, took full advantage of color. We wanted to make a movie that took full advantage of humor, that took full advantage of emotion, that just really went all the way in every single way and there was no sort of shyness or bashfulness about Guardians of the Galaxy and it seems to be working so far. 100%. I was wondering you guys, you know, Dave and, you know, Dave and Chris here, are you, when you first were told about your roles, you know, you were going for the parts, did you go, is this for real? Could I possibly play a character in a Marvel movie that could be a tattooed, grey, bald, 
essentially psychopath. I mean, I <laughs> actually when I first got the I was actually really excited because I, I I heard it was for a Marvel film. I was really excited. Then I got the audition sides for Drax, and I was immediately discouraged because he's just a hard he's a hard character to put your finger on, especially if you're just reading you know select sides from the script. And I just didn't get him at all, so I was discouraged. And I, I, I did. I called my acting coach, and I can't do this. I whined a little bit, and he said, "No, this is great. It's perfect." And he explained the backstory to me. And, and then when I finally got the script, is when I really kind of put my finger on the pulse of Drax and understood who he was. But yeah, at first I was really discouraged. What about Dave? Didn't you see a, a picture of Drax that early was, yeah, on ago? That was my first connection because you know, uh, he said, "Do some research and call me back." And I. Went through all the stuff, and there were so many versions of Guardians throughout the years, and all these different versions of Drax, in general, you know, in general or specifically. And then I finally saw one picture of Drax that I just connected to because it just it looked like me. He looked big and menacing and bald and scary and had two knives. And I was like, yes, I know that guy. Did you have two knives in your hand at the time? I, believe it or not, I did. You know, it was, uh, the odd coincidence because I've st actually practiced Kali, which is a Filipino martial arts, for years and years. And it was just kind of one of those things. I was like, yeah, yeah, I get this guy. I totally get him. Yeah, sending an email saying, can I bring my own knives? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about you, Chris? Um, you know... I, it was it's the whole process was a little frustrating uh, at first to be honest like and it's what it's what Dave touched on I think and, and it, it and I totally get it but like for instance full tilt it's called full tilt because uh, the fans of Marvel are so passionate and so excited about their upcoming projects that if there's ever like an email transmission that has the words Guardians of the Galaxy it'll be intercepted and like pages will be thrown out online I mean spoilers uh, are released all the time and the, and the studio does not like that because they think like you know they want to make a great movie they want to deliver a great movie and that's best if if the the secrets and the tricks of the movie are and the prestige is kept secret you know and so they kept it called full tilt they were kept the entire project under lock and key so and upon my first audition I had n really no idea what the story was I mean I knew the characters I knew Guardians of the Galaxy but and, and, and I mean, I don't even think I knew that it was Peter Quill or Star-Lord. I just knew that it was Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, that's it right. Like, it didn't even, on the sides, it didn't even it say like, the name of the like, character. No, so I'm it like... It said, like, Space Guy or Space something. Space Guy or yeah, something, yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, comics that I had... I had uh, coincidentally purchased as a kid, like, in, the, in, like, 91 or something. It was... Who was that? Who did those ones? I don't remember. Uh, but it, it didn't even have Star-Lord. There was, like... Yeah. Like Yondu, Yondu, Starhawk, Charlie Twenty Seven, Martin X, and so like You're just repeating names that I was. Saying. I'm just repeating names that I said and yeah, you're repeating names, again. stuff, <laughs> stuff like that. But um, you know, so so you know, he, James just said, "Do you have any questions?" And I was like, "Well, yeah. I mean, I ha how much time do you have? Explain the entire movie for me, beat by beat, and tell me everything about this character." And he just said, look, I don't know. I don't, there's been a lot of incarnations of this character. I just want someone to come in and kind of do their thing. Just do someone to come in and own it. And from that point forward, it really made sense to me that I could kind of just come in and do... I just wanted to... I, I knew I was just taking a shot in the dark. I had no idea what I was aiming at. I was hoping to hit a bullseye, and it turns out I did. You know what I mean? I didn't even know what I was going for, and, and, it, and for him, it, it fit his artistic vision. This whole thing, this whole movie is, is, a, is the result of James vision for this movie and, and I happened to fit the thing that he had in mind and so uh, when, when it hit me it, it wasn't that surreal it was like oh cool here we go 
It's one a chance of, to do do me. One of the the greatest moments along this whole process, and this is actually a pretty nice moment for the three of us because the three of us have become very close over the process of making this movie. We were just talking backstage. After we're done with this here, we are separating. Dave and I are going to Mexico. Chris is going someplace else. And so this is sort of our last stop as the three of us for a long time. We'll hang out, you know, back as friends when we when we return home. But for, on the press tour, this is sort of the end of the road for us. Um, and so it's something very bittersweet about that. And I, I really love these guys. But one of, one of the, the, the great moments for me along this process was they both screen tested on the same day. And I knew uh, for sure that I wanted Chris, and I was pretty sure I wanted Dave. And Dave came in and auditioned, and he did a great job. And I said, and he had all the gray makeup on his face. And I said, hey, could you hang out for a couple hours? Because we're auditioning some guys later, and I you know, want to see you read with one of them, who I knew was Chris. And Chris came in and read, and you know, then I brought the two of them out there together, and I just put them on film, kind of messing around. They were each doing parts of the scenes they had been doing which were different but doing it with each other and there was this real moment of magic of they worked really great they were like a buff Abbott and Costello and um, it was it was just this real that that was the inception of the whole movie to me and and it was a reason both of them got hired because I knew I wanted both of them but Marvel had a hard time being convinced for sure and they saw that moment between the two of them and that was the thing that they loved so much was the magic between their two personalities and it's such a big part of what the movie is I get the impression you want them to hug I want him to do more than that, baby. This is... This, this is going to turn into something whole different. Yeah. <laughs> it's a family-friendly podcast, yeah. guys. Come on. Uh, but no, I want to ask you as well. It must be a bit more bittersweet, I guess, because this is, this is England, and you shot it here in the UK. Yeah, this is, our, this, is our, this is the home of Guardians of the Galaxy. This is the home of us as a team, and so it's great to be back here and share it with everybody in the city. Yeah, and, you know, it wasn't actually set in space, which was a little... A little disappointing. A little disappointing. Yeah. My question for you guys is, and I'm going to dunk you in here, you know, Chris, you're not going to like it, but I know that you're a fan of The Only Way is Essex. <laughs> what other bits of English cultural ephemera did you guys enjoy when you were here well, in honestly, London? Honestly, it's like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, <laughs> it's like, you know, I was here, I was like working in Richmond and Weber, and I, I saw like this TV show, and, this, and I was like, what is this? Like, I don't care, whatever, it's like, fine. But like, there's like this girl on there, and I was watching her, and she's all like, whoa, where am I, your mother? I was like, don't care. And then there's like a guy who's like, whatever, it's like cool to wear ski goggles on. It's like my thing, whatever, you know? So, anyways, yeah, I, I, gotta, I can do an impression of, of uh, The Only Way is Essex. I love it. We love. Uh, what we call uh, dumpster fires. Uh, it's just something that you that stinks, but you can't not watch it. Uh, and that's what Toei was for us. So when my wife came out and visited, uh, she was just hooked on The Only Way is Essex. And those guys are awesome. I want to just hang out with them so bad. Well, we've got a surprise guest for you no. today. Oh, that's her? No. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so exciting. Oh, man, oh, man. That would have been awesome. Dave, I hate to do this to you, but can you top that? No. <laughs> yeah, just drop the mic. I mean, no, no. yeah, that's it. I <laughs> Dave doesn't try to top. That's his, no. that's his strength, man. He I'm content just... with sitting here and being quiet. Yeah. You know, I'm okay. I'm, 
content with myself. I saw somewhere that you said that Chris should join the WWE. Mm. <laughs> now tell me, is this... Well, well we actually, because we had conversations about this, because uh, I thought it would be really cool if he came on the show, and he was like all up for it. He already had this whole whole storyline worked out for himself. It was, you know, stuff that he had, you know, he'd gone back and uh, looked at, uh, watched some Andy Kaufman stuff, and he kind of wanted to do something along that lines, where he just come in and be the, you know, wise ass and get smacked around and beat off and do, and, and do his thing, but... Um, yeah, no, I mean, we, we talked about it, and I thought he'd be great at it. Oh, my God, it would be so fun. I would love it so much. What would your name be? Oh, my, oh gosh. Oh, I'd have to think about that. Probably something like, um, probably something like the, uh, uh, the American Eagle. <laughs> I would be like, uh, I'd be like uh, American Super Douche Patriot. <laughs> I would just be, I would come out and just talk about freedom and, uh, and, and equality and uh, and then and and capitalism, and then uh, and then someone would hit me with a chair. And the only way I'd win is if I cheated. <laughs> oh, God, it it awesome. always ends up like that. Somebody gets hit with a chair. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of American super douche patriot facing off against Captain America in a movie. Yeah. Sometime soon. Oh, it's got to happen. Anybody listening? Okay, let, let's make it happen. It's gold. You I just basically secured uh, your your financial future, my friend. This yeah. is on tape. I'll take two so. percent. Cool. Uh, all right. I think. We might be in a good position to watch another clip. This one is at the beginning of one of my favorite bits in the movie. So, um, yeah, it's just a short bit, but you will love it. Let's roll. If we're going to get out of here, we're going to need to get into that watchtower. And to do that, I'm going to need a few things. The guards wear security bands to control their ins and outs. I need one. Leave it to me. That dude there. I need his prosthetic leg. His leg? Yeah. God knows I don't need the rest of him. Look at him, he's useless. All right. And finally, on the wall back there is a black panel. Blinky yellow light. You see it? Yeah. There's a Quarnix battery behind it. Purplish box, green wires. To get into that watchtower, I definitely need it. How are we supposed to do that? Well, supposedly these bald bodies find you attractive, so maybe you can work out some sort of trade. You must be joking. No, I've really heard they find you attractive. Look, it's 20 feet up in the air, and it's in the middle of the most heavily guarded part of the prison. It's impossible to get up there without being seen. I got one plan, and that plan requires a freaking Quarnix battery, so figure it out! Can I get back to it? Thanks. Now, this is important. Once the battery is removed, everything is going to slam into emergency mode. Once we have it, we got to move quickly. So you definitely need to get that last. Or we could just get it first and improvise. I'll get the armband. Leg. That is uh, Bradley Cooper is uh, Rocket, and uh, he did a great job. And then Zoe Saldana is Gamora, who couldn't be here because she's doing some important things. Big time. Not as important as this, but pretty important. <laughs> I've got a big question for you, James. How do you make Groot happen? Uh, you know, uh, because Groot happens, I guess. I think um, we really, uh, you know, we had a couple of very talented people standing in for uh, Groot and Rocket. A guy by the name of Christian uh, was Groot on set, and my brother Sean played Rocket on set. He also plays Kraglin in the movie, who's one of the Ravagers. You guys may know him from the TV show The Gilmore Girls, if you've ever seen that. But uh, those actors were very important in, like, sort of helping us to create 
the characters, and then Bradley, uh, Cooper, and Vin Diesel came in and did their voices and filled them out completely. We had a lot of very talented uh, visual effects artists at a company called Framestore and another company called MPC, who were actors in and of themselves who helped to make those characters. And off the back of that clip, I don't want to give away too much, but Peter Quill does get a hold of that prosthetic leg. My question is, is that a prop that got to be kept by anyone? Oh, no, no, no. You know, Marvel's really cheap about their props. It was, That's true. you know, I think I got, there's a little frog in the movie that uh, I stole and I gave to Michael Rooker, who plays Yandu. And then you got a jacket. Yeah, which I stole from wardrobe. Uh, they weren't willing to give it to me. Yeah, and, uh, and other than that, there's a big warehouse with all the Marvel props of all time that they, they just keep and won't just give to lord over it like, people. Uh, like yeah, dragons on like, their gold yeah just counting the props and putting yeah. them back they're like four of those like, <laughs> kevin feige's like scrooge mcduck diving exactly. into his his swimming pool of coins only it's actually marvel props marvel props guns and yeah <laughs> shields <laughs> thor's hammers like rooms full of thor's hammers Kids, yeah. and don't let anybody have <laughs> thanos's hat <laughs> no we don't thanos's hat there's a thanos hat room uh, we don't get to hear Dave there in that clip. We hear him very briefly in the trailer we saw much earlier. I was wondering, Dave, what, how do you do the voice to Drax? What's the trick? Uh, it's, it's my voice. Just <laughs> no effects? You don't change it at all? No, it's pretty much just me. Yeah, no, it's, no it didn't really require... I, I may talk a little bit lower at certain times, but... Yeah, your no. inflection's a little bit different, yeah. but then you're, you know... Because you're, you're, just, you have a the, different type of dialogue. It's the dialogue is what makes it different, because it's more of a formal dialogue, so I, it's more formally, a little more stiff, but it's basically, you know, usually when I'm talking like this, like I go all over the place, I speak gibberish pretty much, and, and <laughs> Drax is very focused, he speaks very, very clear and very, uh, very A lot of times Dave would come in and he would, you know, recite a line, he, Dave came to the set more prepared than any other actor in the entire movie, <laughs> this is true, and he'd come in and we'd do a take of him doing, because Drax speaks in an almost Shakespearean dialect, like he's, he's very verbose, and, and Dave would come out and he'd say something and it sounded great, and I'd go, that was a good job, uh, and he's like, can you tell me one thing? And I'd be like, what? And he's like, what did I just say and what did it mean? <laughs> I like, I've got to ask about, you know, you are a big raccoon fan, James. I love raccoons. I had a raccoon figurine collection as a kid. That's true. Is that a thing? Well, there weren't too many of them. Let me tell you, it was a very small collection. You know, my sister had an elephant collection. There's lots of elephants out there. And I was very, you know, uh, sort of, I was, I, I admired her elephant collection. I'm like, well, what's my favorite animal? And it's like a raccoon. So I'll collect raccoon figurines. But there's only like five raccoon figurines in the world. Raccoonism is a problem. Yeah. And we need to stamp it out. Uh, and were there some in your garden? And, and when you were first getting involved with this project, you well, were like, I have a lot. Of, I have a persimmon tree in my backyard, and uh, raccoons are jerks. Like that's their main <laughs> personality. The fact that he's a jerk in the movie—that's what raccoons are. They're very brazen. And I have a persimmon tree in my backyard, and raccoons will come and still be like, you know, where you're sitting right there, which is about ten feet away from me. They'll come and grab a persimmon off the tree and just sit there and stare at me <laughs> as they're eating a persimmon. <laughs> Come and get it. Yeah, they, they love to, to show off eating my persimmons. Did you feel But like I hate persimmons, so the joke's on the raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> They're idiots. <laughs> so stupid. Raccoons are dumb. You heard it here first. Uh, 
Did you feel when you were, you know, you talked to Marvel about this project that you went, I think I might be the perfect person for this. I have this weird love-hate relationship with raccoons. I think I might go for this one. Well, it's not only raccoons. I love Mar- I'm a huge Marvel Comics fan. I've been reading Marvel Comics since the time I was four years old and really love Marvel Comics, and I still read Marvel Comics. Um, and then I also love space operas. Like, I've always wanted to do one and never thought I got the chance. Yet, despite all that, when they first pitched Guardians of the Galaxy to me, I was like, I don't know, you guys. That's kind of strange. And, uh, and, I, and I shook their hands on the way out of the room, and I was driving home. And as I was driving home, kind of the idea for how I would approach the movie came to me. And suddenly I was very inspired. And at that point, I did think that it's got to be me. I've got to direct this movie. There's nobody. I was created genetically in a lab to direct this movie because there's nobody that loves all the aspects of this stuff as much as I do. And you love trees. That tree's I could give a crap about. But the rest of those things I like a lot, so I put up with the tree. I've had the privilege to see pretty much all the cast together in a room. You know, not being interviewed, just being themselves. And the impression I get is that it's joyful anarchy. We, we, do, we, we rehearse our scenes before we get together uh, and pretend like we like each other. Um, I, I was wondering how big the blooper reel is going to be. I get the impression there's going to be a lot of goofing off. Do you have any favorite bloopers? that you committed or others committed during the production? Honestly, I don't remember anything about shooting this movie. (laughs) When I saw the movie, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) We did that? Uh, It was, I I don't, I can't recall any any good, uh, oh wait, there was one, no, that's not true. There was one really great moment where I don't want to, I don't want to give it away because it's going to give away something kind of important, but we had a big impromptu dance party at one point in, during the movie, which that was we really didn't fun. let Dave in on. No, we didn't let Dave in on. <laughs> so all of a sudden, we're surrounded. We've got hundreds of aliens in this, uh, I mean, super in, in, intense alien makeup, several hours per person on this amazing set, 150 yards by 150 yards, this exterior set. I mean, it's like... 200 like people. Like, literally every second's costing Marvel $20,000. And we were like, hey, I know, as a joke... <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we have a dance party that Dave doesn't know about? <laughs> it'll only cost Marvel about $500,000, but God, it'll be really funny. <laughs> I, was, I come to set, nobody would tell me what we were doing. I was like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Just go, just take, just take your mark. So again, he starts doing his thing, and he's dancing, and he points at Ronan, and Ronan starts dancing, I was, and I thought it was Lee Pace just kind of having fun and goofing off, and he points back at Chris, and Chris starts dancing, and he points at Zoe, and then Zoe starts dancing, and I'm like, wait a minute. No, I'm starting to get to <laughs> And I'm waiting for someone to point to me, and sure enough, then Chris points at me, and I'm God damn it. <laughs> so, so I did a goofy dance, and, and boom, everybody he laughed. starts dancing, and everyone lost it. <laughs> and then and everybody, everybody was dancing. Yeah, it was yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. 200 people in the audience. Yeah. But you were a trip. You were you went pretty fast. I really oh, thought you were gonna stand there and go. Oh, well, I'm not gonna dance. Oh, but no, you yeah, started I, dancing right away. It was cool. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm reserved, but I'm up for having a good yeah. time, man. You're a good dancer. <laughs> I don't know. If you guys, that. you I don't either. <laughs> you guys better dance off stage. I mean, uh, or maybe oh, I will. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's time. Oh, that was after that bout of enthusiasm. Yeah. We most certainly will. There are two people wow. out there yeah. that really want to yeah. see us dance. <laughs> I think I've had enough fun with you guys. It's time for you guys to ask these guys some questions. Are you ready? If you are, put your hand up. Brilliant. I'm going to guess you have questions then. There is a young man here with his hand very much up. Oh, there's a microphone there. 
Thank you. Now, um, uh, first of all, I just want to say that um, this this trip was actually was it got me this trip um uh, i just had a lot of stuff i had a lot of stuff planned but today was gonna be was gonna be sort of dreary and then i was online to surf from the web and then i realized and then i saw like oh my god <laughs> it's like i was freaking out I was, and i was able to and i got an appointment so just thank you for making this trip that was actually in celebration of a recent su- su- surgery i had just thank you for making it perfect What's your name, buddy? Jonah. Nice meeting you. Mm-hmm. You too. Thank you for coming. Now, my question was, um, did you, did you, once you found out that, that you had the part or that you were the director, what did you all do to really prep for, for being Star-Lord, for being Drax, for being the director? It's a great question. Uh, for me, when I got uh, the gig, I, I felt like a girl who had just won American Idol. <laughs> um, and although there wasn't confetti and bubbles falling down around me, my brain pictured it as such. Um, and my girlfriend was standing next to me crying because she knew I was going to England and was very unhappy with that. But uh, she's gone now, so who cares? Uh, just... Um, just <laughs> I like the raccoon better. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, uh, I, um, me, I, I was, I mostly, I loved comic books as a, as a kid. I mostly was really, uh, just enamored with the heroes and, and the way they looked. I drew mirror, I painted murals on my walls in my bedroom and I had, uh, you know, uh, several journals and sketch pads full of different sketches of super, different superheroes and all my favorite heroes. And um, so for me, I focused mainly on the just the aesthetic and, and trying, to, uh, trying to transform my body to look like a, a comic book hero. That was my preparation. I did, uh, and he did it. It was a hell of a transformation because I, I, when I, we first uh, screen tested together, he was still kind of pudgy. He was about, <laughs> he was, well, he was, we were about five pounds uh, apart. Then, like, three months later, he shows up, and he's all shredded. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and, uh, but what I did was, um, I, you know, I called my acting coach, and I, you know, I wanted to start rehearsing and learn the lines, and he actually told me, he said, just learn the dialogue. Don't do anything else. Don't be over-rehearsed. Just uh, go to set and be professional, know your lines, and uh, just bounce off the other actors and allow yourself to be directed. So that's what I did. I, my preparation was really just learning my dialogue. Okay, my question's for James. Um, Should, wait, 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 where are we? I've lost... I mean, oh! Sorry. <laughs> hey! Hi. Um, with Edgar Wright recently leaving Ant-Man, did you have any problems with Marvel or did they just leave you to it? I never had a single problem with Marvel. The only thing that was uh, awesome about Marvel was that Kevin Feige was a great collaborator for me. I'm really close friends with Edgar. He's a really dear friend of mine. I love him. I think he's one of the most talented you know, directors of, of our generation. Uh, but my experience was very different than that. So it was a really good experience. And, and I think when you see the movie, you'll see how much James Gunn is, you saw it. So you see how much James Gunn is in this movie. It is not, it's a, it's, it really is a different thing for a big spectacle film. And I, I'm so pleased that they allowed us to do our thing with it. I think this may be the James Gunniest movie of all time. It may be the James Gunniest movie of all time. Oh, God. Don't call it a... Don't say that how much James Gunn was in the movie. You don't have to talk like that, James Gunn. 
<laughs> that wasn't in the script. But there was a lot of. Cr- it was you could you couldn't deny the amount of Chris Pratt. You know. Um, <laughs> That's One of my favorite things was to, when Chris came on set and he started talking about, you know, what should I add to this role? I said, you know, try not to be yourself as much as possible. Yeah. Suppress that to yes. the best of your ability yes. and try to be somebody who's, like, for instance, likable. Yeah. Hello. Uh, first of all, thanks for yesterday for being all so kind with us outside of the premiere. And uh, if English doesn't fail me, my question is, um, is, was there a scene that you or you guys thought was going to be really hard to direct, write, or act and turn out to be surprisingly easy? Or vice versa? Vice versa is more likely, but... Vice versa. For me, um, there's a scene that we call 12%, which you'll see, it's it's pretty late in the film, but it's like just a seven-page scene of these guys arguing and they're a bunch of idiots. And I thought, I knew it was probably the most important scene in the movie. I I still think it is. And I wouldn't say it was easy, because we have 11 and a half hours of footage of this one scene. But it was, everybody did an amazing job, and it was, it was pretty fluid, although it wasn't easy. And then there's a balcony scene that's like a romantic scene with just two people standing on a balcony, Quill and Gamora, and that was probably the hardest scene in the whole movie for me to, to cut together. So, that was hard. He's lying, it was actually Drax and, you know, Star-Lord, but he's trying to keep the spoilers minimum. Um, anybody else want to comment on difficult scenes? Or? I was just going to say, like, some of the fight scenes. Uh, especially when we watched them, you know, because the, the stunt team would lay them out, and we'd see little video clips of them. And I thought they were going to be uh, pretty difficult, and they actually were much harder than I anticipated. <laughs> Hiya. Um, just to selfishly say for a second, James, I've been a massive fan for the last eight years. and I think really I know who you You're on Twitter, right? Yeah. Yes, I know who you are. <laughs> That's good. That's a good thing. I, okay. Thank you for being my fan. Thank support. you. Thank you for now. Oh my God, I just died a little inside. Um, <laughs> um, just, uh, I lo- appreciate the fact that you really put your weirdness and quirks out there, and I think for a lot of people that um, makes makes you feel more comfortable. So thank you very much for that. Um, just wanted to say, with the with working with such a big studio like Marvel, you're used to sort of making smaller, slightly more quirky films. Well, not it's still quirky, but it's on a big scale. What are you going to take away with you from working with someone like Marvel when you return to making films without, say, the big budgets and stuff? What's the most influential thing from working with Marvel? Uh, that I, I, I <laughs> you know, I, I mean, just completely honestly, this is a movie that I made from my heart, and it, it touches me that you say that thing about the quirkiness, because this is a movie about oddballs and outcasts and losers and geeks, and that's who the Guardians of the Galaxy are, and, and that's who Chris Pratt is. Um, no, no, but I mean, one of the things is, is we, all of us on, who worked on the movie, you know, I'm a guy who was making $3 million splatter movies, you know, a few years ago. Chris was like the chubby side sidekick. Dave was a wrestler who nobody took seriously. Gamora, that's true. Zoe was like this feisty kid from Queens who's just a thousand miles a minute. And we're all sort of outcasts. We are all Hollywood outsiders who came together to make this movie. And one of the most 
awesome things about the experience for us is that we were totally honest in making this movie. This movie was completely sincere about the oddballs and the outcasts. And I think you can see by the amount of interaction and the, uh, you know, the excitement for the film that there are more of us than there are of them out there. And that's what this movie is for. It's for all of us, you know, who have ever felt left out or left behind or like a loser or like a geek. If that empowers you as a person, then this movie has done, you know, what it's supposed to do. Two more questions, quick and brilliant, if, if possible. This guy in the, I'm going to say, purple hoodie with a white trim. Uh, hi there. I was lucky enough to see the movie yesterday. Brilliant, by the way. Very funny. Uh, my question is for Dave and Chris. Which Avenger would you say would be a great match in a fight for you? I think for some reason everybody wants to pair me up with with the Hulk, with Drax, Drax, ver, Drax versus the Hulk, but I just don't, I don't see the competition. I just, I just don't get it. Uh, I think I'd play pretty. I think Drax would actually play pretty funny off of Tony Stark, though. You know, with him being such a sarcastic wise ass and Drax taking everything literally. I think Tony Stark would probably exist for, and they'd exist for about two minutes in a room before Drax chopped his head off. You know, it just wouldn't be a long relationship. Um, I think, uh, I think it'd be fun, I mean, gosh, I could kind of see, I could kind of, this is what's kind of so daunting and slash exciting about becoming part of the Marvel Cinematic Universes, I could actually see really compelling stories between Quill and any one of the Avengers, I really could, I could see, I mean, I don't know if you're listening, Marvel, but I'm thinking like maybe 12 to 13 more. Uh, maybe one of each. Um, I think Quill would have a really fun time with Black Widow. I think uh, it would be awesome for me personally as an actor to act, to act opposite uh, Robert, Deni uh, Robert uh, Downey Jr., obviously. Uh, I think that would be really fun. Um, Chris Evans is a good friend of mine. I think it would be a kick in the ass to be on set with him. And, you know... And I, you know, I, God, I could kind of, I could kind of see, I could kind of see me working with any one of those guys and, and it getting me really excited. And, and honestly, I think I will likely get to over the next like decade. And I, I mean, this movie that I, that we made, I think is so good. I think they're going to make a lot more. I, I feel confident about it. And, and, and I think I'm going to get to work with all those guys. It's pretty cool. <laughs> this is, this is totally, this is completely true uh, that, the other day, Chris and I had a drive where we had to drive together for about two hours. And during this drive, Chris spent the entire time trying to convince me to allow Star-Lord to shoot Tony Stark in the face and kill him. And he really, he's like, he's like, it'll be great. In the first nine minutes of the movie, he'll kill Tony Stark. Nobody will see it coming. And I was like, Marvel's let us do a lot of crazy things. I'm not sure they're going to let us shoot and kill Tony Stark. I just think we have to do something shocking. Uh, you know, eventually uh, you can't pay someone that much to do movies anymore. And if he's going to go... I want it to be because, you know, he uh, tried to hook up with Gamora and, and uh, Quill got pissed about it or something. I don't know. Maybe not. Look, they would never hire me to write one of these movies. <laughs> I just sit around in a trailer and then and then show up on set and stand on the X and say James's words. But if it was up to me, I'd kill them all, man. <laughs> <laughs>
So now we know. Uh, one last question. Who's it going to be? It's going to be uh, this lady who is wearing a top. Yeah, also They're girls. all wearing tops, man. Pop, pop, if they were wearing tops, I think we'd have a problem. That'd be the one we'd choose. <laughs> um, my question's for Chris. Um, yes. What attracted you to the um, character of Star-Lord? You know, for me, what I got really excited about was that this is an Earthling. This is a kid who was nine years old, just like me, in 1988. I was nine years old, and so was he. So you gotta think, this is a kid who saw Star Wars. This is a kid who saw Indiana Jones and saw Back to the Future and Footloose and all the movies that I loved when I was a kid. So if he gets, if it were me and I was him and you know something tragic happened and then immediately after I was transported to space and essentially given a spaceship and a, an opportunity to become whoever the hell I wanted to be and it was based on this ideology that's built on an 80s uh, pop icons, I would be exactly who Peter Quill is in space. And I would try to create Star-Lord and I would want everyone to call me Star-Lord. And no one would, and it would be like little hints of all these wonderful heroes from the movies that I watched as a kid. So that got me really excited. It got me excited that I could kind of just play. I could kind of be, just really, uh, approaching it from an acting standpoint, try to ground this thing in some reality. I mean, we're out in space. It's so fantastical and, and, uh, and such a fantasy, but, you know, how, how would it really be? I mean, you have to sort of approach these things as and trying to thread your own reality into it. And so that was what got me so excited was like, this guy is me. It was, it's me, man. That's what got me. If, thank God, because if I have to act, it's, <laughs> it's gonna, I'm going to blow it. Right? Yeah, I've seen you act, and it's not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually not true, and I have to elaborate, because I didn't realize that he like really had chops until that. It was that emotional scene where we were all, you yeah. know, a bunch of jerks standing in a circle, and he he knows it on that day because I went yeah. up and told him I didn't know he had that kind of range, and he like teared me up because he just brought it. He had that dramatic side, and and I think that's the day when I realized how talented he actually is. And it's in the movie too. Yeah, you, can the movie. See, you can you see, see it, man. See Anybody do who it, doesn't yeah. get emotional during that is just, I mean, it's got to be a, a dead body. Yeah, yeah, that's or right. Or Dave will make you a dead body. <laughs> yeah, if you don't get choked up, <laughs> you'll get choked. Yeah, uh, guys, I just want to compliment you all for being absolutely brilliant. But then a little bit more brilliant have been these guys. Thank you so much for coming down to see us. Thank you. Truly, our pleasure. And let's keep let's keep that clapping going as we say thank you and goodbye to James Gunn, Chris Pratt, and Dave Bautista. Thank you so much. Bye, guys.